Welcome to the latest episode of Maps Journey. In today's episode Elliot welcomes IVP, who will be sharing his personal journey of discovering and accepting his attraction. It's important to note that IVP is using a pseudonym to protect his identity and privacy, as is often the case for individuals who identify as minor attracted persons. We want to ensure that our guests feel safe and comfortable sharing their stories while maintaining their anonymity. IVP's story begins in his early teens when he first became aware of his attraction towards minors. He describes the struggle of trying to live a double life, hiding his true feelings and desires from those around him. This led to a deep sense of shame and isolation, and IVP found it difficult to connect with others on a meaningful level. Despite these challenges, IVP continued to push forward with his life and eventually started dating a same-age female friend and had a son. However, the weight of his attraction continued to weigh heavily on him, and he knew he needed to seek help. He began going to therapy, hoping to find some relief from the constant struggle. It wasn't until IVP found the community of Veer Ped that he truly began to find the support and understanding he needed. Through connecting with others who shared his experience, he was able to find a sense of belonging and acceptance that had eluded him for so long. Being part of the community helped him to feel less alone and ultimately led to a greater sense of mental health and well-being. Join Elliot and IVP as they delve deeper into IVP's journey, exploring the challenges he faced and the lessons he learned along the way. Through IVP's story, we hope to provide a greater understanding of the struggles that minor attracted persons face, as well as the potential for healing and acceptance that lies ahead. So welcome IVP, I'm glad you came on to uh, decide to share your story. Thank you, thank you. I'm, re- I'm really glad to be here. So first time and getting to talk about this a bit more publicly. So now I'm excited, excited and nervous. Yeah, I know you, you mentioned that, but I think what we are about to talk about is going to help a lot of people struggling with their own journey and discovering their attraction and coming to accept it. So, so I thought, uh, we will start where most of us start. When was it that you first realized you had this attraction and what, how did you progress with that discovery? Yeah, well, that's always like a, a, it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly when, because as I've been able to talk about this a lot more now, I just unlocking memories that I didn't, that I couldn't remember before. Noticing things that may have been the beginning of this attraction a bit earlier than I expected, but I think we can like pinpoint around the age of 12, 13 is when I really started noticing that. This was, uh, that it was something unusual, right? Because, uh, first of all, I, I, I didn't grow up in a homophobic community or anything like that. Um, but first of all, just noticing that the attraction was purely to my, my own gender voice. Uh, um, that was, eh, okay, sure. Fine. I'm gay. Right. Um, but then getting 12, 13, 14. And noticing that the attraction, the ones you were attracted to were still a lot younger and that age gap got bigger and bigger. And that's, that's when I really started noticing that, okay, this, something is up. <laughs> yeah. 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 So how did you, uh, navigate those feelings in the beginning? I know it's scary as a teenager to realize that. Uh, I guess for the first couple years, to be honest, starting from this, uh, let's say 13, around 17 i kind of just denied it uh, i didn't 
I didn't acknowledge any of the thoughts or any of the feelings that I had, even though the proof was very, <laughs> the, the proof was very right in my face, right? I, I knew it, but I just didn't acknowledge it. Again, I'm, I think that the, the denial is a very powerful thing. Yeah, as I'm sure. Because it just, I, I completely blocked it. Uh, even though I had all this proof, even though I, I know who I looked at and I know what feelings uh, it gave me. Uh, so, yeah, did you, uh, oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I do remember being 14 and having the first proper, let's say, it was more than the crush. I, I think I was very much in love with this 70-year-old uh, who was at um, this uh, martial arts practice that I also attended. Uh, we were both in the same group, and I I remember being so in love with him for a couple of years. I, I, I guess it took a while for me to understand that how could me being 14, 15, 16 be so in love with this boy who was 7, 8, 9 at the time of like, yeah, I, I didn't understand it. Of course, I understand it now, but I, I just didn't back then. I knew that I was. I understood that people talk about being in love. I, I realized the same feelings, or that I had those same feelings. That I was truly in love, but I just, yeah, just, just denied it, I guess. Yeah, I know for me, because of my age, I'm an old fogey. <laughs> the internet wasn't around when I first started realizing I had this attraction. I don't know exactly how old you are. I think you might've told me once before, but was that a way of you being able to explore your attraction in the beginning? No. Uh, the thing is I, I I'm in my mid twenties. So like I grew up with the internet, uh, but I actually never dared to go online and look it up. Uh, I never, never dared to write anything about that online, search anything. I just, I just couldn't bring myself to it because that, that would have been, I think a thought at the time that if I actually start searching for it, then I would have, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like I would have made it so concrete for myself that yeah, you're, <laughs> you're a pedophile. So you're searching for it. And, and I was also afraid of finding stuff that I don't want to find. Right. Yeah. Were, were you ever afraid in search to know that stuff that it would uh, lead to you being discovered as well? Yeah, I was definitely worried about that. So I'm, I have never been the most techie person. I, I barely knew how to, barely knew how to delete the search history, but that was about it. So I, I was, I was definitely very nervous. I, I had a computer for my own since the age of 15. I was in my room. Nobody else touched it. And I was a lot online, but I still, I never searched for anything, which is, I, I don't know how I managed to avoid that for so many years. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a shame that we have to be concerned about searching for that stuff. It should be, I know people who are part of the LGBT community, it's now more acceptable. I know for some people, especially it's our growing up in a conservative home might have the same feelings of being discovered by their family as we do. But still, it's a lot more accept acceptable to search for that stuff and not risk feeling that you are going to be arrested for doing so. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah. 
as as it progressed, as you got into your late teens and started getting to your early twenties, I know for me, I always felt like I was le- living a double life, and that I couldn't ever you know, tell my friends or family about this, and I had to put on a brave face or you know stuff like that. So, um, you want to uh, talk a little bit about your journey in dealing with that? Yeah, yeah, sure. I was, uh, I was wanting to get to that, so that's uh, that's perfect. Really, um, it's obviously everybody's life experiences are different. Uh, my situation or what I chose to do around the age of seventeen is not something that everybody chooses to do. I've heard a couple of similar stories, but mine stretched out for quite a lot longer than normal. Um, as I mentioned, like I was in the denial for these years, and then when I was about seventeen, is when it kind of came tumbling down because you you can't be in denial for all your life that's just not possible i think it it will eventually break out and like that's what it did for me i it broke out and i broke down it's um i hit a very deep depression i was i remember one standing in, in front of the mirror and just talking to myself and saying that i'm fucking pedophile and that i'm sorry for swearing uh sorry <laughs> uh and that and that I was I was a monster and I was doomed to offend because that's that's what you heard right when when you heard about pedophilia you heard about people offended people who used CSAM right mm-hmm. um, the, all this negative social or all this negative what am I trying to say uh, all the negative things I heard I kind of like internalized right so it was. It was heavy at that time. Um, around the same time, it's also when I I was doing this uh, culinary school. I was going to be a, I was going to. Uh, I, I I wanted to be a chef, even though I didn't really want to. That's that's another story. Uh, <laughs> as for the that's for the culinary podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think we'll uh, talk about that now. Um, but just um, I had this friend of mine who was uh, was female. Uh, and she was she was okay. Uh, I think she was more than okay. She was a good friend. I'm, I'm lucky that even though I was very depressed, I still forced myself to be social. I still understood that that was very very important. Uh, I had a couple of good friends, and she was one of them. And then after a while of being friends, she acknowledged she had feelings for me. That she she wanted us to be a couple. I. I didn't have feelings for her, not at all. Uh, in, in that way, I liked her as a friend, but obviously I'm exclusively attracted to boys. I don't have any attraction for adults at all, uh, neither sexual or romantical. Uh, but uh, at the time then when I was very depressed and she asked me this question, if I wanted to be, be together with her, then I could decide, yeah, let, let's try that. Let's see for for two reasons, and I've obviously obviously realized that these were very egotistical reasons, and it's something that I, I shouldn't have at all. These I fooled her for a long time, but uh, I I did it to sort of save myself because I thought that I could have a lifeline in her that if I had somebody that cared about me and I had someone to care for, then maybe that would keep alive because I was quite suicidal at the time and didn't really want to live. I figured that having her would help. And also maybe it was a chance maybe I could be attracted to adults if I if I was if I was with her and exposed myself to that. 
world, but quickly I figured out that that didn't work at all. Um, uh, the lifeline part of it definitely worked, but the changing the attraction was not, uh, not possible. Like it, uh, having, having sex with her, was, it was not something I enjoyed at all. And being intimate or romantic or anything like that wasn't of interest for me. We had a lot of discussions about that because obviously she was, she always wanted to initiate things and I never wanted to, uh, that was the, I was uh, often the reason that we had a lot of fights. She, she even questioned me a couple of times if I was gay and I was like, no, I'm not gay. Don't worry. <laughs> so I, yeah, yeah but uh, I, I do realize in, in later years that, that it was a very bad thing of me to do. It was egotistical, but it's done it. Um, I can't really change that. Uh, that relationship lasted for eight years, so got done not that long ago. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it brought forward a good thing. I, I am I am a father. Uh, like we had a we had a we had a son, and uh, being being a father is very is very amazing. I'm, I I do love do love being a parent. Yeah, I and you obviously I kind of went down the same path as you did. I think a lot of us who are dealing with this attraction, we try to live that normal life now. And previous podcast episodes, people have heard my, my story about that journey. But unlike you, it, it, it didn't end up with having a son. But, you know, I, I did actually want that. I did want to have a kid. I felt that was another sense of normalcy that I could add to my life so I could push this attraction way and so seeing that innocence and that joy in your son's eyes is probably such a good uplifting and also another reminder about the innocence of children yeah exactly exactly i'm like if i sorry if i'm interrupting but i'm just uh, i just want to add the play um i kind of found ways to talk to discuss this or like talk about this um that I, I think I put my life into a couple of spheres that I separated these parts of my life into different spheres. Being a parent was the part of me that was super happy. And when I was with my son, especially when I was, <laughs> it sounds pretty weird, but especially when I was alone with him and going out, having fun, playing, just being a dad and being with him was just, that part of my life was incredible. Um, but the, the relationship was its own sphere and not the relationship was not good. Uh, a lot of arguments, a lot of tox toxicity. Is that a word? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and then I have, and then I put myself, my own mental health, its own sphere as well. And I was not really doing well either, even though be, being a father definitely helped me get out of this depression. I still being minor attracted and not being able to talk about that was weighing me down a lot. I I agree with your statement on the, the double life because, and that, it sounds kind of weird after um, we're obviously get get to the part of finding uh, Burkhead and friends, uh, like-minded friends and stuff like that. But um, I I had the sense that the, the double life was not, was, was well, geez, I'm, I'm fumbling with my words, 
I'm tired. That's it. <laughs> like a like a sustainable thing. Yeah, it, it was not sustainable at all. But it actually got kind of worse. Even though everything got better when I found Verpid, the sense of leading a double life got a lot worse. Because now I suddenly was talking with this group of friends that you know she didn't know about. Some things happened that I'm, I think I can get into detail a bit a bit later, but. It was just this double life thing got uh, um, a lot worse when I actually started really accepting myself and really understanding that I could not go on in this relationship and that I wanted something completely different with my life. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. I, uh, since you already brought it up, I feel like you should transition into that. Uh, when did you first find the non-offended community and? tell us the journey of signing up to Verped for the first time did you feel it was a risk in doing so because i know you mentioned earlier you never really searched for this stuff in your teenage years yeah so it wasn't until it was it was almost this time last year it's just a bit over a year ago but i'm gonna just go back a little further because in 2021 is when is when my country had uh, released, like, or not released outright, where they started a program for non-offending pedophiles, actually, a therapy, a therapy program. Uh, it's the first time they had something like that in, in my country. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first time that I realized, hey, there's, I can go somewhere and talk about this. I can, I can try and get this part of me dealt with a bit better than and what I was doing in, in my own head. Obviously, I, I knew that I was never, ever going to have any. That was, that was not even my thought. Like, I don't want to do that. But still, just living with these thoughts and not really accept, accepting them that well was just not great. And playing in this program uh, it was definitely a wake-up call. Just, hey, I can, I can go talk about this. So I did sign up for that. Uh, and I remember... The way you signed up, it was not through. It was not through your GP or anything like that. It was just this own website, <laughs> and they even ran uh, national commercials for it on TV. That's actually how I learned about it. That just uh, still blows my mind. The Project Dunkelfield and stuff like that in Germany. That that is so amazing to me. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, so I'm really glad that I was watching TV at the time and and found that and found that commercial. I, I, I found it on Facebook uh, Facebook as well, and I, I saw the both positive and negative reactions to those commercials being a thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people were like, oh, that's great for those people to be able to talk about it. And then there were other people that were like, oh, no, this shouldn't make sense. They should just go kill themselves, right? Yeah. Uh, so there was definitely both positive and negative feedback on that. But anyway... Uh, there was this website that you had to go in and anonymously chat for a bit with one of these therapists. And then when you felt you were ready for it, you could write your name and so- the social identity number. And then you would you would get a phone call. And it, I remember I went to the website and I anonymously chatted with uh, a therapist for a bit. And the first time that I wrote the words, and the pedophile, it was just that, that was scary. That was, that was really scary. Um, and I remember I wrote that and she was like, okay, that's what we're here for. Very good. How does that make you feel? She wrote back. 
Then I exited the page and didn't go back to it for a couple of days. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I was too scared, right? Yep. And then I went back and I explained that obviously this started in a whole new chat. So it, was, it, it, didn't, it didn't go back to the chat we asked. It's this anonymous encrypted thing. So uh, I just explained that I was here a couple of days ago and I'm getting back. I really want to get in touch with you. So I'm just going to do it. So I just wrote my name and had them call me. And it went up like 10 minutes and they called me. And it's this very friendly female voice at the other end uh, who explained who she was. And of course, in, in case they called the wrong numbers. So you've been on this website and you contacted us, right? I was like, yeah, I, I did. I did. Okay, good. <laughs> And I remember hearing her voice and she heard my voice and it was so scary. Um, um, okay. So now I'm just going to fast forward a little bit. I got through a couple of sessions with her. It was very good. It was very nice to talk about this. Showing my face to her was very scary, but I, I didn't die. I'm here. Um, <laughs> uh, getting to talk about it was just incredible. Uh, she was very helpful. She was very knowledgeable on the, on the topic. Uh, and and uh, she was just trying. They were following this model called the Good Life model. I think it's it's probably a very normal mental health model. That just you have these thoughts, you have these things that when you die down, but you need to live a good life despite it, right? So that's that's what they're just trying to uh, follow. They're good, um, but of course, I noticed that it it still wasn't the same. She didn't have experience as all of us do. And I remember it was back in December, the 2021 that I was mind mindlessly scrolling Reddit, uh, because Birdpad had his own subreddit for a while, um, but I, I didn't know that, uh, but it was just, I was, uh, on this subreddit called morbid questions. And of course, every now and then. One will ask the question, what would you do if you met a pedophile or something like that, right? Uh, and obviously the comments were mostly negative and <laughs> wasn't good for me to read these things, but I did. But then there was a one who commented and posted the link to Burpet's subreddit. I clicked that and I was, okay, what is this? Uh, very intrigued, obviously. And I went to the front page of Burpet and like, I read all of this and I was like, can this be true? Is, 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 is this a thing? I, I was seriously doubting that this was real, even like I was, I was so flabbergasted. <laughs> like, uh, I was just, what if this is a front for, what if it's just a cover for uh, CSN, CSA and Cherry Ring? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't register repeatedly. I waited till I was going to the next session with my therapist. I think thought I, I mentioned it to her. Um, the page and she hadn't heard about it, which was, I really hoped that it was something that they would have heard about. <laughs> um, but now they do. Now they know. This. And she was telling me that the only person that can decide for me, if I'm going to enter there was me. Uh, I, I, w I was the only person who could make that decision if I was going to enter, but she, she did say that she didn't think it was a cover for something else. It did. So that same night I, I registered, I sent this mail to Burfit and I got, got the answer back and suddenly I could create a profile and just enter this world where talking about minor attractiveness and pedophilia was so normal. 
and uh, I was I, I I spent I think I spent eight hours. I didn't sleep at all. I was just oh my my then girlfriend was sleeping right next to me, but I was just on my phone reading, reading, reading. I know that was very dangerous, but you know she was solidly asleep, and I was just so so mesmerized by all of this and just holy shit these were these were people like me and i saw links to podcasts i saw links to interviews i saw videos about it i saw people i read a lot of member introductions i read a lot of posts and then that was i'm almost getting cherry out talking about it's like such a powerful experience finding it and uh yeah i'm just so happy that i did that was a monumental decision, life-changing decision, actually, to do that. It's brought brought with it so many good things now. I'm getting teary-eyed because you're getting teary-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. That's right. It just changed so many things. I'm like having all of these people I can call my friends now. Even even you, I, I consider you a friend. <laughs> I just wish we did have... A country separating us, <laughs> uh, and it was a little cheaper cheaper to travel to. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm sure we'll meet eventually, uh, one day, one day. But um, something that I I have heard other people talk about in discovering the community is it it's made them more comfortable in talking about their attractions. So did it help you? Uh, come out to any friends or family in your life? Yeah, actually it did. Um, from the beginning, I read, I read this this section. That was about um, coming out to people. And of course, in, in that section, of work, uh, there's, there's both, both positive stories and negative stories. And uh, like positive outcomes, negative outcomes. So it was, I, I tried thinking about who, was there someone in, in my life I could tell? And for the first couple of months, I was now there. There's no one who will. There's no one who will understand. Uh, at least I thought at the time. Okay, uh, what am I trying to say? Yeah, I thought at the time that no one would understand, but obviously I was, I was luckily wrong. But the the urge to tell didn't actually come by itself. So I'm worried about that way because um, obviously, quite quickly on. Now I'm getting back to what I uh, mentioned earlier about so. Uh, Things that happened after Burton for a pet was like I obviously gained these friends and I started talking to them on on this other chatting app uh, and obviously these the sense of leaving this double life became a lot stronger than as I mentioned like because I was chatting with all of these people and I had to hide it because like we were talking about my interaction we were talking about being pedophiles and we were sharing some legal pictures and stuff like that uh, completely legal just pictures on the internet and stuff like that and um, talking about boys and being more open and honest about it for me was I'd never ever written something and I found a boy attract attractive and suddenly now I could suddenly it was like this boy is very attractive I can say that and I can write that to people but obviously my my ex could not know this I, I, I understood very you know I can't ever tell her about this and she especially can't find this app or these people. Um, so it was very much sneaking around, uh, being on my phone a lot. And she, she noticed that, uh, that I was suddenly a, a lot more on my phone. Uh, and, um, uh, that we had a lot of discussions about that because she thought I was cheating on her, which, uh, the truth is that I never was, 
she thought that. And like, I can obviously understand that she thought that since that was so much on my fault. <laughs> and uh, she once saw a message from one of them. Luckily, nothing about boys, but it was he, he another person was saying that he luckily and that he, I think this talked to me because it was a couple of days where I didn't talk or we didn't talk. And she saw this and she was, oh shit, you're cheating on me. It's like, no, no, this is a guy and he lives in America. So I'm uh, not cheating on you. Um, but she, she's never really uh, put that thought away. Um, anyway, but I like, I noticed that I had to get out of this relationship because the relationship was not fair on me. It was not fair on her. And then it was not fair to our son because we were arguing so much about different things. And it was just a toxic relationship. It really became very bad at the end. But and, uh, I knew I had to end it. So I did uh, in the end. Uh, what am I trying to say? And uh, it was at the end of this relationship um, that suddenly the thought that I need to be completely honest with someone appeared uh, in me. That I really need, I really wanted to tell someone in my life about the 100% honest truth, right? Because people around me, like my parents, my brother, my best friend, everybody thought that we had a perfect relationship. Like we looked so good on the outside, like we were happy and we, we were this core family who just had a perfect life, but it wasn't true at all on the inside. So like when, when things so quickly got torn apart and suddenly we were arguing and suddenly I moved out and was people didn't understand. <laughs> uh, so that's when I start really start thinking, will my brother understand? Will he understand the full truth? And my brother is the sort of person who do, he doesn't like talking about sexuality or sex or anything like that in general, <laughs> even, even just. He's, he's straight, he has a girlfriend, but even just talking about straight sex, he, he didn't want to talk about that. Just, just not him. Uh, but I remember testing Lars with him once, and I just said that I had read this article. I actually mentioned the specific article. It was the Before You Act 2020 research summary that I had read. And I mentioned, I just got a little bit and tried to find out his opinion on minor track of people, and he just said, he just said one thing and then he wanted, he wanted to change subject a little bit. Uh, but he said the one good thing that attraction does not equal action and that they can't help being men attracted. So as long as they don't offend, then okay. Yeah. So that was the thing that led me to understand that, okay, okay, maybe I can tell him. And uh, then I did. I came out to him and he uh, understood. Yeah. It was. <laughs> It was, it was basically where I'm trying to say that he, if, if I had come up as gay, he would have had the same reaction as he did coming out as pedophile. He's just, he's uncomfortable talking about sexuality, but it's not because it's pedophilia. It's just, it's, it's because of sexuality. He doesn't like talking about it, <laughs> but, but he stood, he accepted, we gave each other a long hug and everything was going to end. We're joking about it. We can talk about it and it's fine. So yeah. I'm very... Very glad I did that. And then, then just two months later, I came out to my best friend. Uh, he is a lot more comfortable talking about sexuality, sex uh, in, gen in general. Mm -hmm. But I never expected the amount of comfortable rest he has talking about pedophilia. <laughs> One of the first things he asked me, I mentioned this, this um, The Adam Project. No, yeah, that's the movie. Yeah. And I mentioned the actor Walker, Walker's Gold. Uh, 
before I got to say anything else, he just asked me, you know, what's your opinion on him? Is he a fine piece of meat? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah, any of my friends would do that. <laughs> so, like, his comfortableness is just through the roof. Like, he, he completely understands me. He, he loves me. He's, he's known, known me my whole life. He knows that I wouldn't do anything. So, he figured that if it helps me talking about it, then he wants to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's just perfect. Does he does he bring up it um, before you do any any time, or does it like do you normally bring up the subject? And he's brought it up once uh, without me bringing it up first, but usually I've been the one to bring it up. But uh, it's not like that. We it's not that I talk about it every time we meet. Like there's no there's no need to do that. Yeah, but, I think I think most uh, teleophiles are would you know who are comfortable with at least you know accepting it would probably be that way of just oh, okay that that's part of you that's fine i'll talk to you about it if you need to but otherwise it's just keep it keep it going <laughs> yeah and i mean in general like unless you're a teenage a teenager or i'm finding out as my a lot of my 20 something co-workers are sex is it a normal everyday topic anyway uh so i think again that proves how normal this is is that it doesn't need to be talked about all the time. It, it it's just it's just part of it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So uh, where did I want to go next year? <laughs> uh, so with uh, joining the community and uh, both the pros and cons, as you discussed, you still had to deal with the double life type of thing. Um, there's still always that outside negative opinion about us. The constant trolls and antis on the internet do you ever engage with those people and if so how do you normally deal with it uh actually i don't really engage in that uh, but what i've just figured for myself is that i spent a lot of time reading negative things about affiliate and i just figured that, or i found out that, that wasn't good for me it was it was it was not good for my mental health to keep reading all of the negative outlook on 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 us it was just not good for me so i i I basically stopped doing that i i can read something i can share uh, the the negative opinion and not feel affected by it anymore i just kind of okay that's their opinion that's fine um i think if i got into a conversation with someone in real life and they had a negative outlook on minor attraction i would probably try to talk about it and bring it out in a positive way with, without outing myself obviously um but in general people around me like the conversation when i when i sort of it wasn't i'm, I'm fumbling my words again sorry I uh, before i came out to my best friend uh we were sitting outside on the on the on, on their porch once it works and he, we were there were six of us it was me my ex my best friend and his girlfriend and another friend couple of ours and i don't remember how because it wasn't me that initiated it but the 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 topic about i think it was because of something in the news about an abuse case uh and the the conversation about pedophilia started (laughs) without me initiating i was like oh okay this is happening uh and their all of their opinions were positive they they weren't making up about it anyway. They just basically said that the same thing that my brother does, that that, that my brother did. Um, that as long as they 
don't offend. It's fine. And they obviously can't help it. And I remember my best friend's girlfriend also really enforcing that they can't help it. They didn't choose it. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, yeah, I didn't choose it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was before I came out to my best friend, my, my ex, uh, she was sitting right next to me. She didn't say anything about it, which 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 further constitutes that I'm glad I never told her because I don't think that she would understand. And I think it would have been troublesome since we had a son together if she found out that I was attracted to boys. Like, would she? I think she would be worried. <laughs> Even though she met, she actually knows that I would never, ever do anything, I think she would be worried. Yeah. So, yeah. But, um... So I, I came out with my best friend, and now I'm actually quite soon I'm going to come out to his uh, girlfriend, or well, she's not his girlfriend anymore, she's actually his wife, before they got married a couple of weeks back. So you're, uh, you're, a lot of, you're a lot braver than I am coming out to people. <laughs> um, and I have a friend just like you from childhood, and he's married, and I consider them more my family than my actual brother and i would love to be able to come out to them but i i risk i, I fear their reaction and if i i would lose that relationship it would devastate me so the most i've been comfortable telling them is that i'm asexual and i feel that's like a partial truth because i'm asexual towards adults obviously, but definitely sexual, well, not sexual, but attracted to children. Yeah. So I think your, your journey is de de definitely a testament to strength and resilience. And, um, it, it comes from being able to embrace your true self. Uh, what advice could you give to others who are just starting out on this journey? Uh, would you, if, as long as they're of 18 years of age, um, would you recommend they, um, definitely sign up to Urpank? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That is, yeah, that is so important. I think uh, having Rip Head. Uh, obviously, there are other communities that I've heard about, like uh, uh, oh, what is it called? And the Map. Yeah, the MSC, the Map Support Club. Uh, I've never been in those, um, but I, I actually think that even without being there, I still think Rip Head is is the best one for support. Because like, yeah, there, there are rules on Redpath. You, you can't be too descriptive about, uh, what am I trying to say? Fantasies and stuff like that. So it's, it's not like a place where you discuss fantasies, but it's just a place where there's so many different people with so many different backgrounds, so many different stories. And we all share the same thing, being minor attracted and like reading all of these stories can, can really help. It was, that's what did it for me reading all of these stories uh, from people who are so different but still share the same thing seeing that they now have a better life for me now i don't personally i don't need for a pet anymore but i'm still there because i want to help other people like there's there's new people joining every day so i i want to be there and help on a common done new member member interruptions post like welcome and say that they found a good place and then stuff like that. I do that as often as I can. Um, but yeah, definitely my advice is uh, sign up to work at Yeah, you discover that. Also just understand that being a pedophile is, 
it's not the be be all end all. It's um, it's not it's not who you are. It's only it's only what you are. It's only a part of you. It does not define you. It's uh, and again, an attraction does not equal action. You choose what you do. You're not you're not a monster because of your thoughts. Thoughts hurt no one. And I think uh, I think just telling yourself that a lot, tell yourself that every day for as long as you need, till you understand it. Because uh, that that's what I did. I, I spent a lot of the years walking walking around in self loathing, but I know it's it's so hard because you, you can't just tell someone to stop being depressed. That doesn't work. If it was that easy, we would we wouldn't have therapists and psychologists and all this, or anything, you know. Yeah. But it's just. Uh, it's so hard to explain, but just walking around the self loathing depression, it just it doesn't it doesn't work. So it's, find something you can be happy with. Find the parts of your life that you enjoy, and do them more. Find people you care about. Do things do things you love, and try to love yourself. Just realize that being a pathologist is not you. It's just it's just a part of you, and. Even being exclusive as I am, it's it's definitely more difficult, but you could still you could still have a good life. And um, talking about that brought up another idea. My well, idea, a question, I should say. I know for me, part of the journey after I joined Verped and communicating with people online like me, the next step that I I really wanted to try to do, but also was petrified in doing, was meeting another minor attractive person in person and you know have you had the opportunity to do that yeah yeah i have actually i'm on better to ask because that's also a very important thing uh, i think because uh uh Verped is is fantastic but it's also slightly impersonal like you're just writing with these anonymous profiles so the step further is obviously it's not obvious, but the step that took it one that took it further from me or made it even better was getting on this chatting app that one of the people on where that I uh, private messaged with uh, invited me to. So, like, actually having actually having chats with someone who was like minded was better than just being on on Wordpad. And then eventually, I had my first voice chat with someone and hearing another voice and hearing that. They're not this creep <laughs> in a white what in a white bat sitting somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, hearing another voice is, is very good. And then not that long after I saw I had a video chat with first the first time and saw this person and uh that was very good. But then as you say, the last the last step there is actually meeting someone in real life and I got that opportunity in, in, in June. Last year, when um, one was going to do a very large European trip, and he was visiting my country, and uh, he was visiting a city that was not too far away from me. Hey, can we meet? <laughs> and he was like, "Yes, yeah, sure." So we organized that. I remember we hadn't seen each other's pictures, or we hadn't heard heard each other's voices because all we shared was being in this group on this chatting app. Like I was invited to this group. Uh, a really nice, really nice group. Uh, so that was all. That was all I knew of him. Really, was where he was from, and, and he was pedophile. 
<laughs> so I I had organized that we were going to meet, or we had organized that we were going to meet in the city, and he was coming the light rail or the tram, whatever you want to call it. I was sitting somewhere just waiting, and I I remember uh, he told he told me what he wore. I told him what I wore. Uh, I don't know, actually, like what clothes we had on. Yeah, it sounds like a bl- blind date. <laughs> yeah, almost, basically. And I remember sitting on this ledge. Uh, I was like, as I knew that he was getting closer, I could see the tram, and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> that was actually my thought, like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm going to meet another pedophile? What are, what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do? I was so, so nervous. And I think I plotted every possible plan of escape uh, <laughs> from that area. <laughs> but I stayed put, and suddenly I saw him, and we we shook hands, and I was just started talking about normal things. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we ended up going out somewhere to eat, and then we hit a bar, and had a couple drinks. And then we went to his hotel room, and when we got to his hotel room is where we actually could finally talk about more on-topic things, like about actual land attraction and about boys. <laughs> uh, and that was just incredible, seeing this other person. He, he had been in the community for a long time, so he was super comfortable. And yeah, he was super comfortable talking about it. And I quickly, because of him, I quickly got comfortable talking about it as well. Yeah. So it was just, that's a, that's a milestone. I hope that every minor attracted person can have one day that they can meet another person, another minor attracted person. That's, it's an incredible cathartic experience. I mean, I think so much. I think the safest way to do it is at workshops or um, things that ASAP or Before Yak put together. But I know not everyone has the opportunity to attend those things. So I, I wish there was a way that we could definitely set up a safe meeting space for all. Because, yeah, like you said, it it adds a whole other level to being accepted. And knowing that even though, like you said, we normally talk about normal everyday things, jobs and all that stuff it's good to know that you don't have to hide that other part of yourself and it goes back to uh, alleviating living that double life thing that we all deal with um, yeah you're absolutely right he's um i can i can get to another yeah. another little thing we're not not that little really so do we have time yes that's fine <laughs> yeah uh so it's actually along the line of of meeting other uh, other men or attractive people. Um, there was this person who joined down over at a few months after me, and I decided to message him, just saying welcome. Like I just sent a private message on on where bit uh, welcomed him. And given his description, I was kind of curious how he was from the same country as I was. Like I, yeah, I just asked out, right? I said, obviously, if you don't want to, you don't have to share. But I'm just wondering if you're from this in this country. Uh, uh, and then I welcomed him. He's found a good place. And he answered back that no, he wasn't from my country, but it was, it wasn't far away. It was only it was it was a neighboring country actually. 
<laughs> and then I invited him. I, I, I asked him if he wanted to come over to the chatting app and uh, chat further if he was interested. He's, he, he was a bit nervous to begin with, so just like I was for the first couple of days, he just said, maybe another, another time. I just want to get familiar with the group at first, he said. And that was fine. Uh, so we did. And it actually took a month before he got back to me. Uh, and then said that he, he would like to chat. Uh, and so we did start to chat on, on the chatty app. And suddenly we were chatting every day. I was getting to learn more about him. He was getting to learn a lot more about me. And we're just becoming really close friends really quickly. Like our interests aligned very much. Not just not just interest in voice or minor fact and stuff like that. But I mean uh, other interests such as food, wine music yeah other things like stuff that you usually find friends on like you <laughs> being minor attracted sharing being minor attracted does not mean that you're friends with everyone who's also better like <laughs> you understand what i need right it's not the um and all or something like that. yeah it's 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 we're still people we still have interests that might not interest other minor attractive people <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that was that was a good way to say it but we found our common interests and we found things to talk about every day and it went a couple months went by and we were really close which chatted and video chatted so we've seen each other he was the first one to acknowledge that even though he was exclusive he had started finding some sort of emotional feelings for me. So it was not, it was not romantic attraction. It was not sexual attraction. It was just this emotional attraction, I suppose. And, uh, it didn't take long before suddenly I was starting to feel the same for <laughs> that we were just getting really close. And, uh, in, uh, October we decided to, that we need to meet up. So I traveled to his country and I actually stayed at his place for a couple of days. And, uh, we've done that a couple of times now. He's been here with me for a couple of days and I've again been in his country and with, have, with him for a couple of days, uh, two times now. <laughs> and, uh, it's still all in the, the beginning phase right now, but we're, we've, we've, we've decided that we're, we're, we're a couple now, like we're, he's my boyfriend and his boyfriend <laughs> and we're just trying to see where that could lead. Yeah. Like, uh, it's not, uh, it's like, not, not, I, I don't want to be alone for the rest of my life. I definitely don't want that. And neither does he. So we're just trying to see like, what if this could be the, what if this could be the, the way for us to actually, uh, be able to, sh to share a life with someone. Like, um, but we have to figure out how does, how does a relationship work when you're not sexually or romantically attracted to each other? Like, will it even work? We don't know. We've, we've had sex, uh, and it, it's, it, it works, but so we're, we're definitely planning on meeting each other a lot more and just see where this can head basically. Seeing yeah, lost a chance. So that's, uh, but I'm, I'm really happy with that. And he's, he's also very, very happy with that. So we're, we spend a lot of time when, when we're with each other, we spend a lot of time cabling him a lot of time being with each other and just having fun. So, so 
it's very good. Yeah, that's definitely great. I mean, I, you know, I'm glad for you and you were able to find that. Unfortunately for me, I think because of my age dysphoria and me hating being a man, I don't ever see me being able to be comfortable snuggling with another man. Um, but I go through phases in my life where, yeah, I would like to have a partner and, but I also wouldn't want to make it unfair to them of not being physically or romantically attracted to them. So yeah, I definitely would want to find someone else that shares my attract, my main attraction. But I think for me, that would have to be a female and I, you know, females are definitely a lot harder to find in this community. Unfortunately, I know they're out there. I mean, I'm, I'm friends with one named Emily who's appeared on my podcast, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a little more difficult, you know, but given that I'm in my forties right now and my sex drive has died down and stuff like that, I'm kind of comfortable right now being on my own, but I don't know if that's always going to stay that way. So, so I'm definitely glad you found that now. And that definitely kind of leads us into the next question. Things have definitely progressed a lot in the last 15, 20 years in regards to understanding this attraction in people in society accepting a little more. Uh, I guess we're kind of on the same slow journey that the LGBT community has been on. We're just a little further behind than they are. Um, I just think what you described you've experienced in your 20s, that wasn't the case for me when I was in my 20s, uh, you know, almost 20 years ago. And so I can see things progressing. Um, do you feel like it's going to continue in that trend? And if so, how long do you think it's going to take? Ooh, that's that's a tough question. Um, I don't know. It's it's, it's only... Uh, I have a very good word for that in, 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 in my language. Yeah. Um, so obviously I have no scientific anything research to back up my my thoughts. It's only my thoughts on it. That, that, um, I think I, I definitely agree with you. We're slowly heading uh, down the path that LV, LVGTQ. It's hard to say those letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the same path that they're taking. I, I definitely see that we're doing the same path. Uh, it's going to be slower uh, than, than theirs. Obviously, it's, it's still going to be a long time, I think. Um, but with the help of re research, we can see on Verpet that there's more and more research, uh, being, what do you call it? Performed on, that's not, not performed, um, conducted, uh, on, on pedophilia. And I think that's going to help as long as it's being published in places where people can read it. Sounds there's been, there's been a couple TED talks on pedophilia, uh, there's, there exists a couple movies that I think, uh. I just very recently saw that the German movie Headburst. Yeah, that's an amazing movie. Uh, that mo movie was just incredible in, in every way. Yeah. So it was so relatable, and I really hope that you watch that. It's not, it's not a documentary. It's an actual feature film, so people can find it and hopefully watch it. Um, and... I just read about this German play that's going to premiere labor in February. That's also about my minor attracted uh, 
people. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've seen that. Yeah, I said. Sorry? Uh, yeah, I said I did. I think it's actually based off of the uh, Luke Malone article that was written all those years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I read that too. So I definitely think that when people dare to do these things, make documentaries, make movies, make plays, make podcasts, make anything that people will read and people will hear and people will see, then that will help us because there are understanding people out there. There are accepting people out there. The problem is it's usually the non-accepting voices that you hear. Those are the loudest voices, right? Yep. Uh, but there are people out there who understand us and they sympathizes with us. And as long as those voices get to be heard, I think we're definitely going to progress that way. And there's going to be a brighter future for us. Definitely. definitely. But it's not like you can... Today, one can't just step on a ledge somewhere and scream, I'm kind of well, you're, you're getting yeah. shot. Yeah. But maybe 50 years from the future, one, one can do that. Yeah, I, uh, you mentioned in the two things from Germany, it, it kind of put the thought in my head um, that Germany, unfortunately, is most known for Hitler, which sucks. The whole country is put for one man. And, but if a country that has that tragic legacy can move past that and become more accepting of you know, a heated community, uh, I, I definitely could see, uh, you know, a bright future. Yeah, there's actually, as you're saying, there's a lot of things about my more tractable that is German today, like both Edburst, the play, and Project Dead Uncle Thought. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a very possible thing. Uh, so, well, I think that's as good as place to end our discussion. Um, I want to thank you again for agreeing to come, in, uh, come on and uh, share your story definitely think a lot of people are going to benefit from it thank you for having me it was it was a lot of fun and um, yeah I'm, I'm hoping someone out there hearing this can understand that there's you you can live a good life with yeah thank you for having me <laughs> well, thanks for uh coming yeah thanks thanks again so all right everyone uh I hope you have a good uh, rest of your day, week, whatever it is when you're listening to this. So until next time, there. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Maps Journey. We hope that IVP's story has shed some light on the experiences and challenges faced by minor attracted persons, as well as the importance of finding a supportive community. We believe that it's important to have open and honest conversations in order to better understand and support those who identify as minor attracted persons. Through sharing their stories, we hope to break down the stigma and misunderstandings surrounding this topic and create a more compassionate and accepting society. If you or someone you know is dealing with issues related to attraction to minors, we encourage you to seek help and support. Resources such as therapy, support groups, and hotlines are available to provide confidential and non-judgmental assistance. Thank you again for listening to The Maps Journey, and we look forward to sharing more stories and insights on this important topic in the future. Until next time, remember, listening is understanding.